Welcome back, man. My name's Argyle. And I'm Dr. Marty Brenner. And this is Streaming Things, man. You know, try before you deny, in case you're not that into podcasts and stuff, man. Young Argyle, you're, you're very wise to say such pearls of wisdom. It's the purple palm tree delight, man. It gives me hella wisdom, my dude. Is that a drug? No, I wouldn't say that, man. It's just like straight from the earth. But uh, I just wanted to... to, to just say, hey, my dudes here at Streaming Things, they got a, a hell of a mailbag coming up. You guys send in tons of emails and stuff. I don't even know what that is because I'm, you know. I, if I had to guess, it would be some sort of electronic letter. <laughs> yeah, man. If I had to guess. I mean, I'm just merely a man of science. and It could be a small woman, though, you know. You think there's a small woman named Email? There could be. She might just be hanging out with Nina, man. I'm just saying. Oh. You got to cross off all the possibilities, man. Open I, your mind. I guess, you know what? Again, this young, young man is quite a quite a legend in the in the wisdom front. My goodness. Hey, you're, you're giving me too much credit. Uh, you're Marty B., I love your DJ skills. A uh, huge fan of that, man. Word. My dudes. Anyway, thank you to Argyle and Dr. Marty B for coming out and introducing the mailbag episode. As you know, this is Streaming Things, the number one Stranger Things podcast in the mm. world. Don't check that. There's no real way to do that. We're just, we're confident that that's the case. The way you do that is you go on iTunes, mm-hmm. you search Stranger Things, mm-hmm. and who comes up first? Yeah, I mean. That's us. That's it. That's the way we do that. That's the metric by which we measure that. That's number one. So what we're going to do today, uh, as we advertised, is go through a bunch of the emails that people sent us. I think we picked out a little over 40 of the couple of hundred that got sent in. And uh, we're very, very happy that mm-hmm. you all uh, spend the time to do that, to engage with us about a show that we love so, so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can continue to do that at any time by emailing streamingthingspod at gmail.com. That's streamingthingspod at gmail.com. And you might notice a little bit of a different uh, uh, audio timbre today. We're recording in Steve's mm. house rather than Andy's. And you might have noticed also a vacuum where once Andy sat. He's not here. He's He was overtaken by Heath bars. It's true. <laughs> you know what's really sad is Andy, some people think Andy, because of the way he talks, his name is Eddie. And, uh, and then Eddie's not here for the show today. So that's pretty dark. Hey, but you know what? He didn't run. And that's, that's what's important. <laughs> that's true. So, yeah, so if there's like a little bit of an echo or anything like that, we're in a different yeah. house. My, my apartment is is not the best for recording audio, and it's very, there's a lot of reverb in this house. And also, you'll probably hear my, my two little wiener dogs from time to time scattering about or fighting or playing uh, as they are wont to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pippin and Ellie. But they might not hear them because these, uh, these mics you got are pretty cool with the little cancellation move. That is true. We often are like, oh, you guys heard, you, oh, you probably heard the dog. And then when I go back and edit, like it, it canceled them out. So it's like, we just sound like crazy people who are like, oh, did you hear the dog? <laughs> yeah, it's like, they don't have dogs. These guys are weird. <laughs> no, nah, they're really there. You just can't hear them so that's what's going on you can also subscribe to our patreon that would be great if you did that uh patreon.com slash streaming things that's patreon.com slash streaming things and subscribe at a variety of tiers for different benefits and rewards uh 
uh, we're in the process of potentially adding some extra tiers and some extra stuff. Uh, once we get enough subscribers, we can afford uh, to spend a little extra time, uh, which is crazy to say because we spend so much time already, but putting a, a video element into this and and putting the video, maybe streaming live on Twitch or at least having like uh, recorded video versions of these episodes. To, I'm really excited about, about that possibility. To view on YouTube. Yeah. Cause a couple people have pointed out, cause we have a couple old episodes uh, where we filmed them on YouTube. Like, Hey, why don't you do this more? And the reason is we make short, short films as well. Uh, or we used to. And so we have like really expensive like huge complicated cameras and that's yeah. what we were using to, to stream and, and that it, was way too hard yeah it wasn't conducive to set up the cameras film and then tear it because we when we record in andy's house it's in his living room so we have to like kind of keep our you know our footprint rather small as to not make his house just a disaster so setting up those cameras and tearing them down every night was just way too much effort right so now we are looking into getting a much smaller setup uh again to keep that footprint rather small yeah we'll just get some little tiny tripods some streaming cameras like webcams and uh and just put one on each of our faces and then we can upload those to youtube a lot of people like to listen to podcasts while staring at podcasts that's the thing so we want to we want to do that so that's one of the goals that we have from the patreon just so you're aware um and yeah so we're going to keep things going. I know you're thinking, hey, I'm going to miss you guys because Stranger Things is almost over. No, you're not. We do this a couple of times a week, no matter what. We always have. We always will. We're going to cover lots of movies and TV shows. Don't worry. That's the beauty of the name, streaming things. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things things one can stream. There's things too. Yeah, there's things. Lord of the Things is my rings, favorite movie. Jings mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Bojangles. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of stuff. And that's what's cool because, like, uh, you know, we can adapt. All we got to do is delete a Stranger Things podcast from the RSS feed and just leave streaming things there. Bam, bam rebrand. Yeah. We're back, baby. We're back. We tricked them. Yeah, a lot of guys <laughs> that are, uh, they'll, they'll create multiple podcasts and multiple RSS feeds for each show that they cover. We don't do that. Just stay subscribed. We'll we'll just switch gears. It's easy peasy. We're too poor to do Bob Newby would say. <laughs> That's the real reason. That's the real reason. I didn't want to come out and say it. I'll say it. <laughs> We're too poor to do that. Each one of those feeds costs like 30 bucks a month. I didn't want to say that out loud. <laughs> so poor. But any uh, yeah, really excited to get the mailbag today. We've got a ton of emails, like I said, so we could probably jump right into it. But just real quick, you can follow us on Twitter as well at StreamThingPod. That's at StreamThingPod. You can also follow me personally. I'm Chris on Twitter at MoviesRTherapy. And Steve's on Twitter too. Steve May 13. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where you find me. At Steve May 13. Don't want to hear the deets? Come, you want to see me tweet deets? Mm-hmm. That's where you find me. That's where all the deets and pictures of his feets are no, on that, Twitter. Those are, are OnlyFans. That's true. Yeah. At Steve May 14? <laughs> no. 69? That's a very different. Yeah, 69. <laughs> Steve May 69 is my only. By the way, if there is an actual Steve May 69 on OnlyFans, that is not yeah, Steve that is from not this show. We, we are completely joking. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, panicked. Don't, don't go looking for that. I just panicked be- thinking that that might exist. Don't go looking for that, you beautiful weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, before the mailbag, we got one last really important thing to do. We're going to try to do a, a two-hander uh, Mad Lip, Stranger Things two-hander. Yeah, uh, this one's a little different because it's Chris and I, and it was I thought it would be kind of awkward if I was just asking Chris for prompts. So what I did is I had someone, a complete third party, uh, write down the type of word, so like the verb, adverb, and they just listed it in order of of what we need. And so Chris and I can both kind of write this together, and at the end of the episode, we'll see what monstrosity we have made. Chris, are you ready? I'm ready. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. First thing. Oh, easy one. Uh, person in the room. Steve. Hey, that's me. Whoa. We need an adjective. Hey, you're not used to playing. You're on the spot. I'm not. Johnny. Uh, tense. Sure. Type of container. Tupperware? 
An exclamation is what we need. I choose Hootie Hoo. I like how he looked at you like, what? And you're looking at me waiting for me to tell you what you need. I'm not used to this flow. <laughs> this is throwing me off. Uh, uh, we need a noun. Honey. Another adjective. Rugged. Mm, I like rugged. Type of liquid. Ooh, do some sake. Number. 13. Silly word. Flatulence. That's silly. That's silly. Flatulence. Country. Chris, might I remind you, it is the 4th of July as we record. Oh, you're right. Therefore, I choose Romania. Good. Good man. Good man. Celebrity. Um, Let's pick a good celebrity. Matthew Modine. Excellent. Who's that guy? <laughs> I bet he's very good looking. Sounds like it. Verb ending in ing. Crushing. Animal. Uh, wiener dog. Verb. Swipe. And last but not least, we're picking a noun. Let's go with Tamagotchi. Mm. Did you ever have a Tamagotchi growing up? I did. I was very attached to them. Did you let it live the whole length? Did it lead a good life? I don't know. No, I doubt it. I think I lost it at some point. Uh, I had one that lived its full life and it died of old age. And I was like, fuck this. I hate it. My <laughs> friend's dead. Uh, but that has been the uh, Mad Libs. Tune into the end of the episode where we will take these words and actually put it on the paper that we have been selected for. I don't even know what that story is called, so I can't tell you. Mm. Uh, but we'll find out how that goes at the end. Yeah, we'll see what kind of monstrosity we built. But before then, betwixt the two, the meat of this sandwich is going to be the mailbag. So we're going to just open some letters, old-fashioned. So people like wrote them out and mailed them to us with stamps. Meat, meat, mail's here. That'd be so much fun if we had an actual bag full of letters. Just like like, like the, a Santa Claus sack. Yeah. Yeah. He invented sacks, as you know, up in the North Pole. Oh, oh, oh. So many letters. <laughs> so many toys I'm not going to make. Oh, they're bills. But the first email comes in from Beth, and she wrote this. Uh, actually, she wrote one email right before the, the, the show's aired. And this last one was from uh, July 1st. But going into the D&D lore, which I didn't know very little about. Uh, but Beth writes, it's D&D lore, my dude. The key to defeat Vecna is the eye and hand of Vecna. Eleven has one's power of telekinesis. Eight has one's power to make you see what they want you to see. Here's what I think. Uh, I think what she's actually saying, because in the lore, I know a little bit about it from reading on the Internet. I think Vecna has like a, a severed hand and one of his eyes poked out or something like that. Like that's something that may happen to the, the character of Henry Creel throughout the battle of season five. Uh, but what I think Beth is saying is that 11 is the hand and eight is the eye. And so metaphorically, the two of them are going to defeat Vecna, right? Do, is, do you think that's what she's saying, Steve? Yeah, I think you're, you're being accurate there. Yeah. Onto something there. So that's a, that's a good pool. I, I, Cause I'm not super well versed in the D and D lore either. So I love the idea of having a metaphorical hand and eye and it brings back eight and y'all know how much we are. We're fans of bringing her back for, I, so I guess purpose. we didn't talk about it very much, but we were, so we were all wrong about whether or not Kali would come back in season four. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that she still will come back in five. Cause again, I would hate for that whole dude. If it just got dropped completely, yeah, I, I I don't like I like I don't like it when stories do that when they have an idea and it may not be popular at first with fans that instead of just trying to fix it or make it work they just abandon it as if like oh no one remembers that and it's like no we remember it just makes me more mad that you did that anyway <laughs> and it's like the character of Kali is great yeah I like her a lot and the actor does really well it's just a matter of where it fit in pacing wise with that particular season having to be kind of a bottle episode was 
off-putting. That's all. That's mm-hmm. all it was. You took the wrong lesson, Duffers. Yeah. Bring her back. We yeah. need that. Bring we need back. that. Uh, what's that called? Not solidarity, but just we'll call it continuity. Yeah. Continuity. And, and you know, she's, I need some more uh, vision powers, you know, get, get some more diversity in these powers. Let's get them. Let's get them. Let's get them. Kali was that. But I think that's a really a super good pool, and I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff to be found in the D and D lore potentially to see where they got some from uh, inspiration about where the story might go. The next email comes in from Angie from Austin, Texas. Steve, Angie writes, "Hey guys, my friend found y'all and recommended your podcast like two weeks ago. Instantly obsessed. Binge season four episodes like it was the only way to save Hawkins." I love it slash you obligatory love gush crushed. Mm. Uh, all right. So go with me on this journey. This is Angie talking. When <laughs> Hopper and, and crew discover the pickled Demogorgon room. I like the name of that. <laughs> Definitely died when you all coined that phrase. Oh, we called it that. No wonder I like that. Wow. <laughs> Steve, I'm begging you to listen to the show. Uh, I instantly connected Independence Day with Will Smith. When the alien used telekinesis to chat it up with Bill Pullman, telling him their plot was to simply take over the world, pinking the brain anyone, Mm. or simply kill everyone and everything, I know that came out in 1996, but considering part two was released for the holiday weekend, it's a possibility. Plus, it's a similar narrative that Enzo describes to Yuri when he calls him a coward. Once the Demogorgons take over the U.S., in poor American attempt at Russian accent, they're coming for Yuri, family, and homeland. I hope I did your poor Russian accent. You nailed this, Angie. I was super shocked to see your take on episode eight already on Spotify. Way to take one for the team. It's a ton of work, but no, we are really or know that we all really appreciate it. Thanks again, Angie. Angie, thank you for saying so because that is a lot of work. It is, yeah. <laughs> we sleepy boys. But uh, uh, dude, I love Independence Day. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite movies from the '90s. It's a really good disaster film. Maybe Roland Emmerich's best. Um. And so, yeah, I think that's a really good tie. I mean, there's only so often that you see like pickled things, you know, and I love pickled things. You like pickled pickles? Yeah, I had a, uh, yeah, but also other things. I didn't know I did, but I don't know if you ever had like a charcuterie board. Oh, of course. Yeah. So you get like the pickled onions and the, they can pickle pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. You can pickle anything, including apparently Demogor- D- Demogorgon, Dem- what are they called? <laughs> Demogorgons? Yeah. I wanted to say demo dogs and then I pivoted. And so I ended up saying Demogorgons. <laughs> and it wasn't a good look for me, Steve. That's the collective name for all of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the whole, like if they were uh, like in biology or whatever. Yeah. Like the, how there's the genus and then the species. And yeah. The, yeah. the Dem- Demogorgons. This would be, <laughs> this would be the genus. We've gone way off. Let's read the next email. This one comes in from Trudy. And I really like this email. I wanted to touch on a few things in it. Um, it says, hello. It might have been hello. I don't know. Hello. I wanted to write in for a couple of reasons here in our newly post volume two world. I put myself in a cocoon with blinds closed and airplane mode on to watch these two eps. And in the end, I honestly found myself a bit disappointed. But I do think there were many excellent individual moments that I will love on a rewatch. I wanted to give a shout out to one scene that snatched up my heart in a death grip and really put those finger muscles to work, squeezing hard. And that scene is the Will and Mike scene in the back of the pizza van after the painting reveal. They'd hyped us up for the Mike monologue in volume two, but this is the speech that really hit me instead. It felt so completely real in large part because it matched experiences I've had. The painful times when I would give relationship advice to my straight best friend, even though that advice would lead to the exact opposite of the outcome I really wanted. And all the while, the friend had no idea how I felt about them. 
And I wanted so badly to say it, but I always knew that I absolutely could not do that. The moment that really took it over the edge was when Will said, when you're different, sometimes you feel like a mistake. Had to collect myself, took me right back to the way I felt at Will's age. The churning fear and sadness and resignation as I tried to accept what I was and what in my life, what my life would be. I need some real happiness to come for Will. And I need season one to two Mike to time travel, walk up to season four Mike and just absolutely deck him, knock him the fuck out. (laughs) Maybe kick some dirt on him (laughs) from the kid who noticed when Will was just slightly quieter than normal and attentively stuck by him to help however he could to now not even asking, are you okay? When Will is crying a foot away from him in a closed vehicle. Although I do like that we have a main character who has devolved in this way without it being a turn into a villain plot. It's nicely realistic that some of them would not get better over time. Mike, the anti-Steve. Anyway, Noah Schnapp did an amazing (laughs) job with that small scene and I'm looking forward to crying over it some more soon. I also want to say thanks to y'all. I only discovered the pod recently, but went back and listened to every Stranger Things related episode you ever did while waiting for volume two. I've really had an awesome time with it. New parasocial relationship formed? I think so. Did we just become best friends? Yep. (laughs) And I think I'll be sticking around to hear your voices more on some other things I'm into. Thanks for reading and looking forward to listening to more of your thoughts in the season. Trudy, uh, I wanted to read that because I said many times that I don't have the uh, perspective of somebody who you really want to hear from on the topic of whether or not Will's in love with Mike. And so uh, thank you for sending this in. It's very much needed, especially for me. Uh, I'm glad to uh, hear from someone who has experience with that. Yeah, thank uh, you for sending that in, Trudy, like and sharing that personal story about yourself like that's that's awesome that that provides a lot of context i think for people and and yeah that is a great will moment and i also wish he can go back in time and beat up mike for not realizing his friends crying a foot away from him because mike used to be such a good friend (laughs) used to be such a good friend remember when they went out uh trick-or-treating in season two and mike was the only one that realized that will was not not yeah he's always looking after him yeah and then for whatever reason this season he's just you know and it's true that not only do people grow apart and people change, but it's not, I don't want to lump too much shit onto Mike for the same reason that I had so much sympathy for Billy, because it's like, they're young, you know, they're going to be assholes. They're going to like learn a lot about the world real fast and, and get overwhelmed. And their frontal lobe is not even done developing until like their late twenties. So yeah, you're going to be a piece of shit from time to time. Mm-hmm. So this is true, but don't take that and run with it, Mike. Be accountable for your actions. Our next email comes in from Bob. Steve, take it away. Bob writes, hey guys, I really enjoyed the conclusion of the fourth season for the most part, except for how they handled Max's death slash not dying. I think they should have stuck to their guns and went with it instead of saving her. Do you think it could work into a betrayal theme later on as Eleven couldn't find her at the conclusion of the episode? Also, I made a joke to my wife about Vecna's junk or lack thereof. Mm. Did his dick and balls just fall off or does he have some weird upside down red rocket? Mm, thoughts? Uh, <laughs> well, my first thought is I, uh, I'm i never getting the um, imagery of an upside down red rocket out of my head anytime mm-hmm. soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, uh, Chris, do you, do you have any thoughts with this right out of the gate? I know I do. Well, I don't uh, feel any need for v- Vecna to reproduce, so I hadn't thought of it really. <laughs> and though I do think even though the uh, physical manifestation, like the practical effects of that character are awesome, at the same time in some wide shots, he looks like Jim Carrey's Grinch yeah. a little bit. Like, so it's a little comical with the belly exposed and then the whatever. But uh, no, hadn't thought about it much. I'll have to put some more thought into that in the future as far as his reproductive organs. I'm glad you're here, Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I like to walk with commando style. 
eyes up here 11 <laughs> just it's so weird too like that he's like capturing little kids i'm just like i'm just freeballing it here or lack thereof <laughs> loathe entirely yeah <laughs> uh but as far as the rest of it i have a ton of thoughts i'm gonna let you go first because that's that's been a huge talking point on the internet as far as whether or not the duffers should have fully committed and killed max and a lot of people seem to think well first they're i'll just let you go I got a rant. I got a rant building. Just go. Uh, well, I think we'll probably end up on the same side of this this debacle. Is I I I, I was in. A, I was having a similar discussion with a friend of mine, friend of the show, Sam. Um, he was texting me saying, like, you know, he thought it was kind of cowardly that they didn't fully commit and kill Max. And you know, I'm of the mind where I don't. Th- I still think it's rather brave to horrifically maim a young child on TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I I give them full kudos for you know, doing that. Like think of any other show where they took a, a, a child of that age and just mutilate them. Like, right. That. Like the Goonies didn't have like somebody stumble down the cave mm-hmm. hunting for one eyed Willie and just get impaled in the face. <laughs> you know, that would be a way different movie. Very much so. Or just short round gets run over by a giant rock in a tunnel. Uh-huh. You know, well, short round almost got impaled by the spikes, but he used his little, uh, what the belt? Was it the belt gadget? Well, that was data. I'm talking about his other, I'm talking about Indiana Jones now, right? Oh, sorry. Same, yeah. same actor. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. But yeah, the whole point being, I agree with you hundred percent, but also I think there's a two pronged, uh, I don't know, re- rebuttal bouncing around in my brain. The first thing is I don't think people should be rooting for characters to die just for the sake of it. Like, I think they took the wrong lesson from shows like game of Thrones where that was a relatively novel idea. And so it was just like, Oh wow, that was shocking. I really like them, but like, uh, spoilers for game of Thrones potentially, but a lot of people die in an episode that's really famous in the third season. Uh, and that is for a reason plot wise though, as shocking as it is that like half of the main characters perish at once for seemingly out of nowhere. Uh, it all drove further the rest of the plot of that story, the books, not so much the show. And so uh, <laughs> it was really important for that to happen. So it, was, it wasn't just for shock value. Whereas I think what a lot of people wanted, it seems like from the season four finale was just a horror movie style offing of, you know, a random bunch of of the main characters of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And that's would have been shocking. But what would it have served? Right. Um, and I think the the fact that Max is still alive is for the plot. I think, uh, well, or whatever capacity you think she's alive. And we're here to discuss that today because there's a lot of different feelings on that. But mm-hmm. it's going to be a huge driving force of the plot of season five. I think the the Max coma thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be almost the main thrust apart from Will's journey. So, yeah, I was I kind of briefly mentioned this in the previous episode, but I do think a big part of next season is going to be Max is going to end up as a spy in one way, shape or form. Either she's going to be spying for the kids, uh, spying on Vecna on behalf of the kids or Vecna is going to use her as her spy, similar to how they used Will in season two. Correct. And. You know, there's a lot of potential great story paths you can take with the situation that Max is in that's interesting and cool. Whereas if you just killed her, yeah, it would be sad, but also, you know, there's no growth there. I mean, to go back to Game of Thrones, Tyrion. And like, she might be dead. There is a small yeah. possibility that the Max as we know it never returns. Mm-hmm. And the Max that comes out of the coma is inhabited by Vecna and becomes kind of a Billy uh antagonist maybe even with the powers of vecna maybe that's henry creel's path back to the right side up if you will is through the body of max mayfield 
which I don't like personally. It would be cool because Sadie Sink's such a good actor. She could like practice her villain chops and literally do a, a mind fight with, uh, with Eleven, you know, do some telekinesis Ooh. fighting with Eleven because she has Henry's powers. That would be oh, awesome, kind of. Good. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about mind fights? Did someone say mind fights between two children? <laughs> don't mind if I do. I don't think we're selling tickets or anything. It's just something we're talking well, about. Well, you should. <laughs> I know. I that know. would go very quickly. I think only you would buy them, potentially. I would buy all of them. <laughs> I'm already being loaded in cash. That's true. We can assume that you have tons of gov- government money. You know what I called Nina before that? What? Stacks on stacks on stacks. Uh-huh. It's where you just kept your money before you filled it with water and TVs. I don't trust the banks. <laughs> you seem like the type. Uh, but so that's our thoughts on that. It's, I, we're very much uh, withholding the jury, right, on whether what they did with Max. But it's going to be a huge part of the plot of season five. Yeah. And again, I, I said this last episode as well. But like there was this almost kind of excitement to see who they would kill off. And they only, you know, it wasn't as big of a deal as everyone was kind of expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. And the more and more I think of it, of it, the more and more I'm like, well, I'm glad they didn't because that's not very, I don't know. I don't feel like that's very special spirited in the vein of what stranger things is agreed yeah agreed our next email comes in from frequent emailer uh nova i think we read their uh email last time and this one just says one of uh lieutenant colonel sullivan's soldiers is named hicks connected to aliens because there was a soldier named hicks in that show there was movie rather and so good catch i don't think we pointed that out at all we did not. I don't even know if I heard that guy's name. Call it a small ego. So this is just like a tiny, one of those little bite-sized ones that you can get. Like ego th- bites? Yeah. You know how they're like, what is that what they're called? Ego bites? Well, I don't know. I just. Remember there's like four of them stuck together yeah. and you put tiny ones in the toaster? Yeah. That's what that is. Did you know they have ego cereal now? I did not. I bought some last week. Is it good? It was. It was you ate good. it all? I don't see any in your kitchen. Uh, I ate it all in like a day. Dang. <laughs> you, do, do, you do have some, some Captain Crunch up there though. Yeah, baby. Is that, yeah, baby. Is that peanut butter? That Captain is peanut Crunch? butter. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Yuri's going to be stoked. Yes. <laughs> Wait, peanut butter, Captain Crunch. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Our next email comes in from Abby. Steve, take it away. Abby writes, hi, Andy, Steve, and Chris. I'm writing from Austin, Texas, and I have a lot of thoughts about Will's character. I definitely think he will be in one of the top spots next season due to the parallels between him and Henry and also the framing in some of the last scenes during the finale. Also, unlike most people, I don't think Will is in love with Mike. As a lesbian, I remember being so afraid of losing loved ones when I was figuring out who I was. And I think this is honestly a great depiction of those feelings. Will has always been behind some of his friends, has always been behind some of his friends as far as social maturity. We saw this last season when he wanted things to stay the same with his friends. And this feels like a combination of being afraid of change, especially when he knows he's different. I hope that this is the direction they choose to go rather than Will pining for Mike because I think it would be a little less obvious but also very relatable for someone like me. Love the pod. Thanks, Abby. P.S. I sobbed during the Lucas L. and Max scene and that acting was impeccable. It was indeed. And I just wanted to include Abby's email uh, for an extra perspective, again, from somebody who has a lot more to say on the subject of the Will and Mike thing that we've talked a lot about. Um, but also the opposite perspective of uh, the other email that we got. So mm-hmm. we still see it both ways. That was more the way I was leaning. I do think it has pretty much become ob- not obvious, but it's there's a lot to argue for the fact that that Will romantically likes Mike now at mm-hmm. this point. You agree, Steve? 
Yeah, I agree. Just the way that they're shooting the two characters and the direction of how they're acting to to one another in scenes. It's, it seems like they're very, being very transparent with where they're going with this. Yes. And I haven't heard any Duffer Brother like interviews or anything about it, but I imagine it's pretty much out there now. Um, there is an interview I was listening to, but I only got like halfway through it uh, on various things and they hadn't talked about Will yet. But regardless, I love your perspective. It, it offers a lot to me. Thank you so much for writing in. Uh, yeah. And that's one of the things I think the the biggest gripe I have with Stranger Things 4, the biggest plot point that I'm just not on board with at all is the whole Will telling Mike that he's the heart of the group. Like, yeah, that did suck. It was like, no, he's not. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Maybe of, five years ago he was. It's one of those things where like, as soon as he said it, I was like, in what fucking world? Like, yeah. like when Dustin's right there, you're going to say that Mike is the heart of the group. Like yeah. Dustin's clearly the heart out of all four of those kids. He keeps them together. And I think Mike was the protagonist in season one. Yeah, right? 100%. Yeah. And then after that, ever since then. So it's, it's been six years. It has not been the case because <laughs> season two, it was Will. And then season three, nobody gave a fuck about anybody, you know, as much as like those two were the least cared about probably ever since just mm-hmm. because of the writing and the way that they've kind of sidelined them. Yeah. Um, but any just our thoughts. Don't write in angrily. <laughs> By the way, we got it. Speaking of angry, uh, we got it a, a three star review and somebody was like really hurt. It might even been a two star review. There was two lower ones, which just highly offensive. But anyway, <laughs> one of them was like really offended that we mock uh, Midwestern people or Southern people on this show so frequently. I guess we do like derogatory Southern accents and imply a lack of intelligence. And I just wanted to call out there. We're all from Kentucky. So you know, I think we have uh, something to say about living in the Midwest and it's all all in good fun. Obviously, I know thousands of great people. I know thousands of dicks and we're just having a good time here. We don't mean any offense, but if there is anything I'm allowed to speak on, it's being in the Midwest because that's currently where I am right that's, now. That's literally the one thing that we, we as cis white men living in Kentucky are entitled to speak about. <laughs> yeah, that is literally <laughs> all literally we can make fun of. the only thing we are allowed to make fun of and you call us out for that? <laughs> but mostly I just wanted to say we definitely don't want anybody to feel sad after listening to the show. We're trying to make you laugh. So no, no harm was intended from that. But this next email comes in from Manny from Wyoming. Love the show, guys. Keep it up. The scene in uh, episode eight where Sullivan's soldiers enter the bunker is a reference to Rogue One and A New Hope. Where and This is for you, Steve. You're the Star Wars guy. Where the rebel soldiers are aiming their blasters at the door when Vader enters. The scenes are shot very similarly. I also kind of got Star Wars vibes when Hopper picked up the sword and holds it the same way as Qui-Gon. Lastly, this one is kind of a stretch, but the mind flare reminded me of the force. It binds and connects the upside down into a hive mind, just like Obi-Wan says the force binds everyone and flows to the world in a new hope. I think Vecna harnessed it to connect himself to the upside down and control the hive mind. Also, quick question. What is your guys' favorite performance in the show? Mine is either Dacre in season three or Caleb in season four. Good question. Thanks. And again, I love the show. You guys are entertaining as hell. Thank you so much, Manny. Steve, what do you think about the oblique Star Wars connections? So I was reading the next email and I missed the very beginning of that. What was he saying was like Star Wars? Uh, The biggest part was um, in episode eight when Sullivan's soldiers enter the bunker. He thinks it's a rogue one and because when oh, they cut, they cut to the, inside it, they're like behind their shields yeah. and stuff. Okay. And it's, it I could see that definitely uh, a new hope. 
Yeah, the the rebel soldiers on the Tantive Four. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. no, percent. I think that's spot call. on. That's spot on. Not yeah, so much the Qui Gon thing because that, that's another ego that I actually called out on the show and has been confirmed since. We'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I I don't know about that one either. Um, and then you know we briefly talked about it, but I think the parallels between um, Eleven and Papa and in episode eight is as Luke Skywalker and Yoda and Empire Strikes Back is like very obvious and very on the nose. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff. And you know, the Duffers love, love a star Wars. They do. I think in episode, is it episode, is it episode nine when Murray and hop and Joyce go back to the base or is that back to the prison? Yeah. They go yes. back to the base. Yeah. There's even a, a star Wars echo there where Murray says, I've got a bad feeling about this, which is the classic star Wars line. Yeah. You know, so they love dropping a good Star Wars reference in Stranger Things. I mean, it's and the I'm 80s. here for it. Yeah, of Big course. Time. It's like the biggest franchise of that time period. Revenge of the, not Revenge of the Sith, but... Um, Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi came out in what, 83? So... I think so. 86 would have been just full force, just hive mind of Star Wars fans. What was your favorite performance in the show, period, all four seasons? Manny wants to know. Man, this is a hard one. Because I'm thinking back, like, season one, it's Winona Ryder, hands down. Season two. No snap. Yeah. 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 That was the, that was the snap mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and season three is day, daycare and season four is Caleb. Oh, I don't know. Sadie sink is also incredibly good. And she's four. great, man. How lucky are we that like season four comes out and we get those two performances out of these two actors. And plus everyone else is also, well, you pick good. one. I'll pick the other one. Oh, <laughs> like, he wasn't even saying in this season, he meant the entire show. I know. That's what I'm trying to think of. Like, I think like in terms of enjoyment wise, where I can just like, ah, oh, man, that's fun. It's Winona Ryder in season one. Cause like she's believable, but also fun. But if I'm like, just honest to God, just absolutely floored and impressed by someone, it's probably Stady sink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm going to go with Caleb then. That's a good choice. I really, because <laughs> Caleb like, is so. You know, incredible. I love Sadie Sink stuff. Like I, ever since Fear Street, I've just been like, holy shit! Like mm. she's gonna be a star. And I have like a cigar when I say it. It's weird. Mm. Uh, I don't even smoke cigars, but like it just gets me that way, I guess. Yeah. But Caleb McLaughlin crushed it, no doubt whatsoever. And uh, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing him and more stuff, especially more Stranger Things. So thank you, Manny, for that question, Steve. This next email comes in from Brady. So Brady writes, hey, Chris, Andy, and Steve, and he talks about some really awesome board games that uh, he and Chris play, but he really, the, the meat of his email starts with, Henry drew the picture of the shadow before encountering it as a kid. How did he know that he was going to encounter a hive mind of dust when he got older that would then perfectly form to the giant spider creature that he envisioned and drew as a kid? That's my question regarding that. I mean, unless the shadow sensed his abilities and reached out to him first. Perhaps by fate or through a contrived plot, it brought the two of them together. But if the shadow is within Henry, why is the shadow seemingly its own entity in season two? It appeared to and takes possession of Will, so it is not a part of Henry during season two? Did it separate from him in order to achieve a particular mission? Is the dust that formed in the field in season two still only a fraction of the size of the beast that we were shown in Henry's flashback sequence? If that were true, then I have to believe that Henry is being used by an entity far greater than himself in his own understanding of the cosmos. He thinks he's in control, but isn't. So that's why I wanted to read this email. And he goes into a bunch more detail about some various questions and theories that he has with a bunch of Lovecraftian knowledge backing up his his thoughts, which is why, you know, we love Brady. Um, but we love Brady. I think that that's a good question that even though it's 
it seems to have, I was wrong on another count is what it seems that Vecna is in fact the biggest bad in the upside down, right? That he has given consciousness to these uh, Eldritch presences. Um, so two things. I think you saw it a little bit off or a little bit wrong as far as the formation of the Mind Flayer. Uh, it wasn't a spider the whole time. There, there's nothing too much to look into there, I think. I think what we were supposed to take is that Vecna literally with his powers formed it for the very first time into that giant spider because he wanted a spider. Like mm-hmm. he just likes spiders. It, the boy loves his spiders. It'd be like me. If I had powers and I was in the upside down, I would have made it Batman. Okay. I just, that's what I would have done. Maybe Harley Quinn. It's just always yelling for justice. (laughs) Well, I don't know if it can talk, but, uh, but it's very possible. It'd be cooler if you did. Exactly. Brady brings up the point that perhaps there is some deeper evil or deeper consciousness that even Vecna is not aware of. And so he thinks he's the boss, but he ain't. And I think that is still possible and might be interesting. What say you, Steve? Uh, I, I don't, I'm of the two minds. So I think that the show is definitely kind of leading us to believe that Vecna is the big bad in control. He isn't the five-star general. He is the ruler and and the mind flayers is there. I think that the two the two of them are completely separate entities that are currently working in Congress together. So Henry slash one slash Vecna is using the power of the mind flare to further his own agenda. And the mind flare is just happy to be along for the ride because this allows this entity to consume or grow or get bigger or more powerful. So they're using each other. So I like to think that maybe in the next season, something will happen that puts them at odds against one another. So maybe... Maybe and maybe this is how they defeat Vecna, where they somehow get the the mind flare presence or whatever that entity is to kind of turn on him because it is a separate thing that Henry is just using, right? Um, and I like the idea of it possibly just like, oh, I'm I'm an evil cloud, like I you served your purpose, you you burnt wiener. betraying him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you burnt leaner, <laughs> sure, sure, um, yeah, and I also think I I, I was watching some videos and stuff on. So maybe I don't even know if they're true or people are just it's hard to say when I know for a fact the duffers are are retconning. It's hard to say what to believe is canon and what isn't. But I like the idea that and maybe this was obvious to other folks. But in season three, when the piece of the mind flare gets in Eleven's leg and siphons her powers and she loses them for most of season four after that, right in the end of season three. That's when Vecna stole her power because Eleven's power is the the ability to uh, communicate across dimensions. That's her extra power. Whereas uh, Henry's extra power is the ability to like kind of take other people's abilities or see their memories and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why season four is the way that it is. And he's finally able to Vecna people from the upside down and open gates and stuff. Cause that's 11's abilities to open gates and cross dimensions mentally and all that stuff. And I don't know if that's true or if they just all can do that, but that's, I like that idea. Like as far as a retcon that that's mm-hmm. why he wasn't physically able to fight against them yet. You know, he was just sending demons through the gates. Yeah. Because the implication is that all these kids have their powers because Brenner has somehow taken some sort of some part of Henry's power and given it to other kids. And that's how he's fostering these people. Right. I guess. Yeah. There, it could also be the case. I, I don't know that how much I like it that Henry is her father. DNA speaking DNA wise, you know, mm-hmm. cause that's how you make a baby. <laughs> Wait, what? Steve, sit down. I have something to tell but you. But the stork. <laughs> Don't worry about it, actually. Does, does uh, the stork bring the DNA to? <laughs> so it's possible that, uh, what's her mom's name? 
Tracy Chapman or something? Wait, <laughs> Terry? Is that what you're talking about? Terry, Terry Ives. Ives. That's right. Tracy Chapman. <laughs> Baby, I got your number. <laughs> and it's 11. That's how the song goes. Oh. Pretty sure. But uh, so I, I like the idea of like, because we talked about, you know, oh, eight's got the power of, you know, vision manipulation, right? Or like get, making you see what she wants you to see. And for a while we were like, oh, 11's power is that she can force push things, right? Mm-hmm. I like the idea of uh, they all have kind of like this baseline power of telekinesis and whatever, but all of them have like a specialty. So, you know, eight specialty is the vision thing. Henry's specialty is stealing other people's powers, a la Rogue from the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And uh, an 11 special ability is that she uh, she can open portals. And Vecna had to steal that from her. I do like that. that gets, yeah, that, that is get, cool. That gives her a little bit more oomph to the, she's the chosen one sort of, you know, allegory. That you love chosen through. ones. I love it. I love it when they especially um, don't leave the force in darkness. Yeah. That, that they bring balance to the force. Yeah. Yeah. And, but and, and you, save the younglings. The fact that she didn't kill any younglings is, is oh, Thank goodness. Yeah. I was concerned about that. Yeah. For sure. When the opening of season four, so I'm like, oh no, she killed. I saw her killing younglings. <laughs> we know what happens after that. And fear leads to anger for sure. If any of these shows taught me anything, if you kill younglings, you're you're, you're gonna toast. look like a burnt wiener. You're like toast. by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's the only result that can come of that. Uh we got another email this time from Gavin. What's up? What's up, Kevin? Big fan of the pod. Wanted to share a theory I've been thinking about on season five. Seeing that Vecna's body is either damaged or destroyed, he is in need of a new vessel. We've seen him in the past take over live bodies in Will and Billy. But with this new concept of bringing characters back from the dead, Max, is it outrageous to say that he can take over a dead body? Eddie's dead body to be a puppet of Vecna. I think that would be an interesting concept. And master of puppets. Exactly. From what we know, Eddie's body is still in the upside down. Also, if I'm not mistaken, Joseph Quinn did originally say he was coming back for next season. Let me know what you guys think. Gavin, uh, I haven't heard whether or not Joe Quinn was coming back for next season. I know that Eddie's dead for sure. The character of Eddie. Yeah. I saw an interview where he was like, I want to come back. I'd be upset if they didn't ask me to come back. That's what he's referring to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe he was just covering the spoiler of the fact that he knows he's for sure dead. By the way, the Duffers were on a podcast, not ours, unfortunately, uh, where they did confirm Eddie's uh, super dead uh, without a doubt. And that the reason is what we suspected, Uh, even though they know everybody loved the character and they knew they would love the character. There was impossible to write uh, a season five where Eddie wasn't just sitting in jail because you can't explain away the murders with supernatural things believably. And so that, that would have been a nightmare of writing and they couldn't turn stranger things into a courtroom procedural though. I would have watched that as somebody who emails, <laughs> somebody who emails this later pointed out. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think, I think you're onto something though, just not with Eddie's body. I think that's just going to be two days later to weigh, which is, you can argue that that was a bad move that they just, after all that cut to a title card that said two days later, it's like, okay, wait, what the fuck? There's a lot of stuff I want to know. Uh, we can just assume that they got out. Maybe they took Eddie's body with them and that we're never going to hear uh, about that again. But I think it's possible, as we talked about earlier, that Max would be his avatar, if you will. Um, and that's why she's in the coma. And that's why uh, Eleven can't find her spirit. I don't know. And again, that would be pretty interesting because he his burnt wiener is extra burnt now. <laughs> He's all messed up looking. Yeah, he got super burnt. Got just burnt, blasted, and shoved out a window. I know somebody commented, uh, 
on uh, one of my videos or something yesterday and they were like, I can't believe after like they were talking about the shitty writing of Stranger Things. And he said, uh, I can't believe that the big bad just like fell out a window and hit the ground and then just disappeared after all that. And uh, like Michael Myers or something. And I, I, I couldn't help it. I laughed. That's, I, that's that should that should be submitted to self-aware wolves. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's almost like the show is based on 80s horror or something. Yeah, <laughs> because that's it's, all I could do to I, I didn't mean to be snarky, but I mean, yeah, that is the entire yeah, point. It's, it's like, almost oh. like that's what they were going for. <laughs> wow. Whoa. <laughs> uh, our next email comes in from uh, Zach and Zach is writing from Mississippi. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. I will never forget how to spell that. Just, I know Zach's impressed now. As all Mississippians are. Uh-huh. They're like floored. They, whoa, you nailed it. Holy shit. Well, I thought it was just us who could do that. <laughs> but Zach, Zach writes in, Stranger Things Ego. Hey guys, love the show. Huge Ego. Lucas reading Max, Stephen King's The Talisman is pretty important. See, Netflix has already signed the Duffer Brothers to write and direct more series and movies. Their very next project after Stranger Things concludes is to adapt The Talisman with the help of Steven Spielberg. Netflix wants another series in the same vein as Stranger Things and The Talisman may be the answer. Max, my favorite, being read the book is pretty cool ego on the part of the Duffers. Ego. Don't stop the Marty B voice. Love it. It's never going away, my child. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Also, y'all should definitely do a weekly show on House of Dragon. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. Zach from Mississippi. Thank you, Zach. Uh, Somebody actually wrote in. I, I, I don't know their name. I didn't want to look because they didn't actually give me permission to say their name, uh, but they actually t- direct messaged me on Twitter with this info immediately after the episode dropped where I talked about the talisman. talisman might be an ego for the plot of season five. It could be both, but it seems more likely it was just a nod to the fact that they've been gifted with the rights to adapt it along with Amblin Entertainment for mm-hmm. Netflix. So, yep. Good find, Zach. The next email comes in from Steph, and I thought this was super fun, something that we completely missed. Hi, guys. Love the show. Hi, Uh, Steph. Just discovered it after season four came out. I plan to go back and listen to earlier episodes now, too. What a lovely notion, Steph. I just paused (laughs) while listening to your piggyback episode to fill you in on an Easter ego. What young Max yells back to the douchebag at the skating park is, why don't you bag your face? Bag Your Face was a SoCal insult made popular nationwide by Frank Zappa's 1982 song, Valley Girl. Mm. Also, yes, for sure, the shot of Vicky uh, shopping the turning rack at the Army Surplus store in the pop episode was a nod to Molly Ringwald, specifically in Pretty in Pink. I gasped out loud when I saw it. That's what I was like. She's wearing Ducky's hat, but it's her, right? Or yeah. that's what I think, at least. But mm-hmm. I grew up in the 80s. I actually graduated from high school in 1986. I then went on to film school. And now I'm a mom of teenagers. So Stranger Things hits all my sweet spots. It sounds like it. Again, we really yeah, appreciate yeah. all y'all do. Hope you get some sleep this weekend. Steph from Austin. Uh, and she has also said, P.S. I am solidly, solidly hashtag Team Heath. We got a lot of Heath Bar fans in the audience. So my apologies to Andy and all of you didn't know. I said what I said. I still think you guys, you guys can't be serious, right? Like, sure, they don't taste like shit. That's not what we're saying. We are simply saying amidst literally almost any other candy bar, are you grabbing the Heath bar? Really? Are you being honest about that? Yeah. Is that the candy bar you have in the chamber ready to go at any moment? Like, <laughs> I'm here to- I like how the idea that they might have a gun candy, like a candy bar gun. USA, baby. Locked and loaded. <laughs> 
<laughs> locked and loaded. Uh, but yeah, awesome. We didn't know what go bag your face was at all. No, I saw uh, she isn't that the header of the email? Uh, yes, it's go bag, bag your face. So my first thought was like, oh, no, what did we do? Who did we piss off <laughs> from Southern California? Uh, who did, probably the guy that's really mad about the Midwest stuff. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's awesome. If so, anyone else that didn't know go bag your face was a. I'm going to start using that now. Yeah, do you think it'll offend people or they just won't even know what's going on? Oh, I would use it in order to offend people. Sure. It's not like I'm trying to like, oh, bless your heart, bag your face. <laughs> oh, go bag your face. <laughs> We're going to turn it into a good thing. Oh, go cry in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> this next email comes in from Justin. Justin writes, Hiya, Chris, Andy, and Steve. First off, thank you all for pumping out the episodes that you've made in anticipation and in review of Stranger Things 4. I really enjoy the show. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate you. He continues, just a detail that you're likely to have heard by now. It seems that a few of you were a bit confused slash upset that L seemingly now has the power to revive dead people. I just want to pause for a second. I wish Andy was here. Every time we get one of these emails where somebody's like, you guys were really pissed about this one thing. I have more to say on it. It's always, it's always Andy. Andy. It's just Andy. <laughs> and I wish he was here. I didn't care. I was like, I oh, defended cool. this like abhorrently at the time. Yeah. But Andy was the one that was like, dead people. They don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where would I leave off? Uh, L seemingly now has the power to revive dead people, specifically in regards to Max. Am I wrong in thinking that she simply t- telekinetically restarted Max's heartbeat rather than mysteriously resurrecting her. I think that's fair. Yeah, he goes on, he destroys the argument. It's awesome. We've seen her control the internal organs of someone's body before, making Troy the bully pee himself in season one, snapping necks, etc. So I didn't find it hard to believe that Elle was able to kickstart Max's heart shortly after it stopped, at least to the point where Max was able to make it to the hospital before dying again. So I don't think it was truly outside of her skill set, despite it being the first time we've ever seen her do something like this. This understanding slash headcanon is what makes any aspect of this plot point believable to me so maybe it will for you guys as well 100 percent, justin we'll, we'll let andy know and maybe he'll uh <laughs> hopefully listens to this episode if I'm, not i'll send him a timestamp. i'm begging you andy I'm <laughs> begging you to listen to the show a question perhaps you'll address this before re- reading slash replying but how do you reckon they'll implement their planned quote time skip in season five given the ending of season four i feel that the ending doesn't really warrant a time skip plot wise since it seems like the destruction in hawkins is rapidly worsening but I'm wondering if my opinion could be swayed here. Apologies if you've addressed this before and I missed it. No, we did not address it, Justin. You're 100% right. This is one of my biggest concerns as well. I talked about it a bit on uh, my TikTok channel. So, you know, they had confirmed that there would be a multiple year time jump from season four to season five. But I was actually really excited about because that would it's probably going to be placed around 1989 or so. Um, that makes the most sense because it stays in the 80s, but there's the cusp of the 90s and uh, new futures ahead for everybody. But it also puts the characters firmly in senior year of high school, closer to the age of the actual actors now. Everything gets better and better, in my opinion, when you do that. I was really excited about it. But I'm also concerned because, yeah, the last scene of season four does not indicate a three-year jump and or how you could do that because it does look like Hawkins is absolutely fucking wrecked and is getting worse by the moment. And there's a huge impending doom sense. Um, And I don't have any smart ideas as to how they would do that. Unless I've heard some people online mention perhaps end gaming it as an Avengers end gaming it. So you, you don't do the time jump 
until like halfway through the first episode of season five, which then I could see. So maybe there is like another little battle or something and they lose. And then there's a time jump of some sort. Another two days later. Yeah. Two days later, except three years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I could kind of see that. I just don't know what that would look like either necessarily. Um, Because if Vecna wins, wins, then there's hell on earth for the whole world is Mm -hmm. seemingly what Vecna threatens. Right. Um, And then, but people have also hinted at a possible time travel plot line being entered into this somehow. So maybe they do like utterly lose in the way that Avengers Endgame did. And they have to literally go back in time Mm -hmm. to fix things. I don't like that because though they do borrow from a lot of other pop culture things, that's straight up stealing the plot of Avengers Endgame. Right. Um, So I don't know. And and if the, the point of advancing the timeline that long is to make sure that the characters are the same age as they are in real life. Then what's the point of having them go back in time and meet themselves as little kids? Isn't that like kind of negate the reasoning behind it? A hundred percent. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, I don't know. But but like, and you're right because I I do think because you're wondering like, oh man, Hawkins is wrecked. Why why would they just magically jump forward five years? The only thing that I was thinking of that would that would make sense is even though our heroes have lost, they still haven't like lost as poorly as they could have. Vecna also kind of lost in yeah, his own was, way. It was kind of this L's was, all around. This was a COM promise type of ending for all parties involved, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were halfway all halfway happy, happy right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I, the only thing I can think of is Vecna is so messed up from the trauma of really being burnt, of really being shot, of feeling the hive mind getting burnt in Russia and all that nonsense mm-hmm. that maybe he has to go tend to his wounds. He's like physically and mentally He's got unable. terrible wounds. Terrible wounds. Mm-hmm. I've also been shot. somebody needs to please go get dr brenner out of the desert i'm still out here he's joining us through zoom yeah (laughs) hello (laughs) the background looks as if i'm in a desert because i am (laughs) yeah he's got one of those cool zoom backgrounds Uh, but it's real yeah but yeah maybe vecna is you know licking his wounds he's building up his strength he's building up his army and yeah there's just a fiery chasm in Hawkins and the government will block it off and not let anyone near it. And it'll just be kind of Dr. Owens like, no, you guys, Hey Sullivan, this see this shit's bad. We got to prepare for the invasion. And Sullivan's like, I don't believe Ah, I'm just going to kill the little girl. That's all I want to do. Where is she? Oh, she's still in Hawkins. Cool. Uh, (laughs) How convenient. My, my job's easier. Maybe they'll build like a dome around it or something. Like we'll have like an under the dome. dome? No, not a biodome under the dome. Remember that show? I don't. Under the dome? There was a dome. And they were under it? Nobody was getting dome. There was an actual dome. (laughs) Why are you looking at me like that? (laughs) But anyway, Justin, basically our answer, because we're so smart, is great question. (laughs) Yeah, very great question. Yeah. Loved it. That's the only thing we got to say about that. Uh, I have a new email from Jennifer, and Jen writes... My name is Jen. <laughs> I'm writing from Austin. I should have started with that. I'm writing from Austin. <laughs> Two emails from Austin. I've been listening to y'all since the beginning of your Stranger Things season four recaps, but have now become a lifelong fan. 
Wonderful news. Oh, that's good to hear. Thank you. Good news, everyone. Uh, and she has two main points, a theory on Max. I thought some visual cues were interesting and possibly on purpose surrounding the death of Max. When Dr. Brenner is dying, the camera pans out in a clockwise direction, indicating time still moving forward. But when L is near Max and reaches out to her after she dies, the camera pans out in a counterclockwise direction, which would which could indicate time passing backwards. I also think when L cannot find Max in the in-between, it's because Vecna Henry one VH one. That's hilarious, by the way. I don't That's know if you great. coined that. Has wow. absorbed her memories and essence. I'm hoping that v- if, v- if VH1 dies in the next season. That's so fucking good. It's so Holy good. Shit. <laughs> oh, my God. If you coined that, trademark that shit now. Max will be able to return to her body. Uh, I... I agree with you. I think Vecna it very much has something to do with why Max has no spirit. Pre- I mean, I almost think that's guaranteed. But whether or not uh, VH1 is inside her or not, like, and will control her body as a puppet master, if you will, or a master of puppets, that remains to be seen. Uh, and then Easter Ego. In VH1's It's Time speech to Max in the Upside Down Snowball, he says, I can feel them. I can feel them dying. I thought it might be a nod to 2001, A Space Odyssey, 1968, when Hal 9000 says, I've never seen that movie, but I assume he sounds like this, Dave, my mind is going. I can feel it. It's not quite as menacing. I can feel it. Dave, my mind I is going. It. <laughs> oh, is that, is that's going. him. Yeah. My mind is going, Dave. Daisy. <laughs> Daisy. You spin me right round baby <laughs> to me vh1 and hal share similarities vh1 can see and hear everything just like hal can in the spaceship they are both also determined to kill everyone also the mm. secret base entrance reminds me of the monolith maybe this ego is a stretch but thought it was worth throwing it out there oh yeah there's definitely the, the shot of the secret base where it's just the door and it just looks like the, it just looks like a porta potty that does look that's very reminiscent of monolith shots from 2001 that's a good call i like that you, yeah good pull yeah so one of the biggest uh, blind spots of of all time because I'm a huge movie buff is that I have never seen 2001 A Space Odyssey as I just alluded to. So if you guys are shocked just let that wash over you and get over it so we can proceed with the show. It's one of my favorite movies. But I, I think um, that you might be onto something there. You might be onto something there. So thank you so much, Jen. Our next email that Steve's going to read comes in from Gabriella. Gabriella writes from California. Hi guys, love the recap. Always love when our emotional guy, Chris, puts his own shared experience into his interpretation. You've come a long way, sir. Proud of you. Thank you. We're all proud of you, buddy. Mm. So much happened in the finale. So much. I know you guys plan to do another recap episode, but I wanted to touch on something you didn't mention at all. When Eddie meets his end, I was bawling like a baby. Not only because we lost this amazing character, but because of how devastated Dustin was. Our precious Dusty Buns. Mm -hmm. I feel like his heartache on top of Eddie bleeding out and dying made it even more unbearable. Now, that being said, I realized the scene with Lucas and Max ended up stealing the show because Caleb is freaking amazing. Just didn't want that moment with Dustin and Eddie to go unrecognized. I also want to mention how heartbroken I am for Will. He deserves better. He's been through so much. I just want him to finally be happy, right? Oh my gosh. At least halfway happy. Oh, I want him so happy. She continues, this this email would be super duper long if I talked about everything that these last two episodes made me feel. So I'll leave you with a question. Do you remember in episode three when Sullivan shows up to Dr. Owen's house and as they're leaving, they confiscate a box of Peter's school projects? Does anyone think that this Peter has anything to do with Vecna, Peter, 
one vh1 that scene, she doesn't write vh1 i just like that so much that scene and name isn't there for no reason right really curious to hear your thoughts on this p.s heath bars are elite pineapple on pizza is the ish and master puppets is the accurate number one chocolate pudding much love gabriella so, so much to, to unpack there. First off, thank you so much for your kindness. Heath bars do apparently have a lot more fans than I thought. Pineapple on pizza is incredible. And the master of puppets scene is the best scene in the finale. Unlike what Steve said with his emotional gobbledygook, right? I'm sorry. I'm not a big Metallica guy. That's, that's where we finally differ. I know. Well, no, we've always differed because I don't know any of the songs that you love in this show. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was listening I'm to. And like, Ooh, Susie and the Banshees. Instead of like, Susie the and the Banshees, I was listening to Metallica. <laughs> I was more of a basic bitch, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so absolutely. I think that it's very true that so much other stuff happened that the Dusty and Eddie moment got kind of brushed aside because Caleb McLaughlin's performance was so incredible. But I mean, Joseph Quinn was phenomenal throughout. I mm-hmm. think he's got a huge career ahead of him. And I do think Gaten Matarazzo's performance was uh, unrecognized as awesome because it was. It was very, yeah. very heartfelt and sincere. It just, yeah, it was definitely overshadowed by the fact that, A, I was too busy trying to process the fact that I was so wrong and trying not to be mad that they were killing Eddie because it's kind of a telegraphed. Everything about that was so telegraphed, you know, from the, mm. the entire character arc. Everything was kind of out there and obvious. And that's kind of unlike the Duffers, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to process all of that. But you're right. The performances were incredible. Um, I don't know what you're saying about Peter. I don't know. Uh, Peter's just his kid, right? Like in Vecna's name is Henry. Uh, but... If you remember, oh, he had when he's the, the orderly. Um, when he's the orderly, they call him his Peter. alias was Peter. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. I don't know. I think maybe they're just they, both they named probably Peter. Renamed, so Henry Cruel is his real name. Uh-huh. When when his parents die, in order to take him and make him so that he's not associated with uh, his father, Victor Creel, and everyone just assumes that he killed his whole family, quote unquote. Right. That's his new alias is Peter growing up under Dr. Marty B. Right. So maybe, yes, that I think that could be a connection because we didn't think that there was any connections between Dr. Owens and Marty B really until the season. And now we see them working somewhat together. There's a little bit of an Do you think Dr. Owens was maybe raising Peter partially as well? If before the season, I would have said no. But after the season, I think, yes, there's definitely a shared history between Marty B and Dr. Owens. So yeah. and it could be. I think Owens, Paul Reiser's character has a lot more to do left in season five just like steve said you predicted they need some sort of government contact for that whole side of the plot to continue uh because i said hey what if dr owens and marty b both die and you said nay sir can't happen Mm -hmm. and steve seems to be correct on that front so that i know it's not time for him to go into that diner in the sky right not Not quite yet yet. not quite yet i think you're onto something gabriella i think you are and uh you're on the right track speaking of the eddie and dustin scene did you did you hear that the the line that eddie has when he's dying where he's like i love you man was improvised improv i did also uh there's a lot of improv in that finale apparently kayla mclaughlin as well when he said erica help Mm -hmm. when he was panicking about max was improvisation as well one of Joyce and Hop's kisses were improved. The the kiss is the what kiss. I read. Yeah, they uh, weren't supposed to do that. Um, how could you be a duffer brother, a brother's duff, and be sitting on the set, and then Hopper and Joyce kiss? You're like, uh, 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 no, 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 not supposed to do that. They're just flipping through pages. Like, wait, wait, I, wait, I don't, wait. Continu- continuity script. So we had it both. TV. They separately get naked in the church. And then, <laughs> yeah, I don't see the kiss. What's going on right now? Hey guys, uh, time out crew. Everyone take five. Joyce hop. Come here. Um, 
<laughs> you what, guys, what the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah, they freak out. Like, uh, what's his name? He's a Oscar-winning director. He did uh, Silver Lang's Playbook. He's famous for freaking oh, out. Oh yeah, I can't remember his name. I know you're about. Yeah, wow. David O. Russell. Yes, yes. Yeah, he just like slams the phone down. They they both go David O. Russell on him. I doubt it. They're nice sounding guys. Yeah, they sound sweet. But that's that's 100 spot on. I think. I think. Uh, the next email comes from. I want to make sure I'm supposed to say his name. Yeah, it doesn't say not to. John from Colorado. Good thing he has a unique name. <laughs> We'd be af- afraid of outing him. <laughs> He's probably the only John in Colorado, though. Dear Early Birds, I don't know how you managed to be so coherent at 5 o'clock first thing in the morning. Well, thank you for thinking we were coherent, but I only tend <laughs> yeah, to make seriously. sense. <laughs> I only tend to make sense late at night, so I'm sending you this at 2 o'clock last thing in the evening after finishing season 4. Actually, jokes on you, John. We, we didn't wake up early and record that. We had just been awake since the day before, so it's the same thing that you're doing as you write this. But I apologize if this Easter ego has been previously discussed, but speaking of 1980s pop culture nods, has anyone noticed that during season three, Will had a poster on his bedroom wall back in Hawkins from the original stage production of the musical Little Shop of Horrors? It is highly unusual that a teenager in Indiana would have had that poster back in 1985. The story began as a Roger Corman movie in 1960 and was made into a cult off-Broadway musical in 1982, but it didn't really become part of the wider pop culture until the movie starring Rick Moranis was released in December of 1986, many months after the season four ends. A uh, lot of Little Shop of Horror nods there uh, as far as uh, deep lore. Mm-hmm. I, of course, have only ever seen the Rick Moranis film. Steve, are you familiar with the off-Broadway or the 1960s film? Funny enough, I have seen the off-Broadway musical performed by a high school. Weird. Yeah, and they actually had a really convincing plant puppet uh, and it was one of the best theater experiences I've ever had. Speaking of the plant puppet, John goes on. Anyway, the real Easter ego is here to be found in the similarities between Demogorgons and the strange and exotic plant that ultimately takes over the world at the end of Little Shop of Horrors. Whenever a Demogorgon flares its head, it takes on a botanical look that seems pretty clear nod to the plant, which is called Audrey II. Yes. Maybe not in the mouth so much, but the five flower-like petals that frame the Demogorgon's head are identical to those that surround Audrey II's mouth would help explain why when the Demogorgon gets angry, it seems to turn into a plant with killer teeth. Vecna's vines also seem to add to the plant-like quality of the upside-down ecosphere. Um, but yeah, I think that that's very, very possible. Do we? I think we talked about Little Shop of Horrors at one point years ago on the show. I think we just pointed out the poster and we assumed it was for the movie and not the stage play. Because we dumb. Because we dumb. Yeah. When I think of Little Shop of Horrors, my mind doesn't immediately go to the musical. It just goes to the movie. I, I pretty much only knew about the Rick Moranis movie. So mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff there, John. Thank you so much for writing in. Uh, we really, really appreciate that. And I think you're on to something. And I think maybe we could take it, maybe not intentional, but uh, maybe we can use it for characterization, though, too. Like Will's such a different kind of kid that he might be a fan of that 1960s Roger Corman movie or the, even the musical a couple years prior, you know? So he's got great taste. He does. Them he, buyers boys, they love the arts. They do. You know? And that's why I love them. Somehow we've got a shitload of emails still left to get through. Steve, take it away with the email from Nicholas. Nicholas writes, hi, guys. Last email, I swear. Hey, don't. don't Never stop being you. Don't make promises you can't keep, buddy. You just keep being you. He writes, I just had a couple things I thought might be worth talking about regarding those final two episodes. Number one, Steve Harrington was carrying an axe into the crew house, wasn't he? Why on earth didn't he use it to chop Vecna slash Henry slash one's head off when it was lying on the floor on fire after the first two Molotovs? Well, he was only lying on the ground outside. 
but yeah, he probably should have used his axe at some point. But he, no, he did to try to chop the vines that were uh, choking Robin at first. Yeah, he tried to help save Robin. Maybe the vines got the axe away from him after they got tied up. I get what you're saying, but I think if you've got an a, a choice, check off axe. Yeah, well, if you've got a choice between Molotov cocktail, shotgun, and axe, I'm probably going to go Molotov shotgun mm-hmm. if I if I can only pick two. True. And and in that situation, they found themselves in the point was to burn him because they know that burning him will kill him because they know that these upside down things are fire has been established that fire affects them more than anything else. Yes. Yes. Uh, Two, he continues, never mind his ankle. I'm pretty sure Dustin should have ended that episode at least partially deaf during Eddie's epic metal moment. Dustin was crouched directly in front of the speakers. How did his hearing survive that? It's a very good point, but I have spent uh, many concerts right next to the giant speakers, just moshing my little brains out. And I think I'm okay ish, but, uh, you only hear a slight ring. What? (laughs) (laughs) 2.5. What electricity did Eddie's guitar speakers run on? Is his trailer connected to the power in the upside down? Who's paying that bill? Maybe they had an extension cord to the right side up. My friend. I don't think they did. (laughs) That's a good point. I don't, I never thought about that. I didn't either. I, I maybe the you know there's all that red electricity shooting off. Why all you gotta over? be a dick, Nick? Now the whole show's ruined. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut down streaming things. We've lost our love. <laughs> it's a willing suspension of disbelief. Gone. He continues. Number three. Favorite Argyle moment of the series. While everyone is busy preparing the flotation tank for L, so she can go fight Vecna, Argyle is busy making a pineapple pizza. Classic. Love that scene. Try before you deny, man. Hey, you know, everyone's got a role and he was on, you know, he's got to make sure everyone's got their food. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs food. And L specifically needs energy when she does that kind of thing. So ha. And he just, he saw it in her face. She would dig the pineapple pizza mm-hmm. and he was right. Number four. Speaking of Argyle, does he have parents? Aren't they wondering where he's been for a week? Also, no. does the van belong to him or to Surfer Boy Pizza? Mm. I feel like he's missed some shifts this week and probs won't have a job when he gets back. He took the necessary sacrifice to save the freaking world. You know what also is going to make him lose his job? When the world ends. And by the way, there was a lot of crazy shit, dead bodies, all kinds of stuff. Just back to back to back. I don't think he's thinking about work at all. I don't no. think he thinks about work much anyway as a frequent smoker of the Mary Joweens. But he does love Surfer Boy Pizza. He does. Because every time... He's it, a company man. Every time it pops up, he's like, there's another one, man. <laughs> you know what, man? I really want to get back to work. <laughs> he's, he's, he's passionate. I want to franchise Surfer Boy Pizza. Number five, the scene between Jonathan and Will and the pizza place is probably my favorite heartfelt moment of the final episode. Noah Schnapp's acting this season has been phenomenal. The the meaning he can't the meaning he can put into a facial expression is amazing. Also, season five prediction, as Will becomes more comfortable with who he is, as in come to terms with being gay, in season five, watch his, ward- <clears throat> watch his wardrobe change. At the moment, he is literally buttoned up at every moment on screen. Watch that change as he evolves, and I bet the final ever episode features him getting a new haircut. Oh, I hope so. Oh, God willing. Jeez, he looks like a thumb with a little <laughs> bowl on it. <laughs> I do, I do like that how that idea of maybe his using his wardrobe to show how comfortable he's he being. Yeah, yeah, like he goes from being completely buttoned up, and you know, I think that's a brilliant take uh, that the costume department's probably been um, lampooning for, and I, I really like that. I hope that that happens. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Number good six, cut. yeah, good, good take. Number six, most heartbreaking moment of the episode. 
Erica Help, which is apparently ad-libbed by Caleb McLaughlin on Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk yep. about that. Number seven, is this the first season which doesn't include a movie featuring in the plot? For example, Porter Guy's tickets in season one, Ghostbusters costumes in season two, Day of the Dead, and Back to the Future featuring in season three at the movie theater. Uh, all we get is a reference to Police Academy 3, which Will says is no good. He's not wrong. I think that's enough, though, to go in line with that shtick, right? Yeah, I, I would agree that that would be... Yeah, I think that's fair. Because the other ones aren't super, like, on the nose either, right? Mm. Number eight, Yuri was fun. Let's not see him again. <laughs> also, ends up, oh, man. Wow. <laughs> that that little sentence had a had a turn. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that coming. Yuri is fun. Let's not meet him ever again. <laughs> that's probably correct, though. Number nine, the Russia stuff seemed a little dated even for 1986. Gorbachev was firmly empowered by 86. Tensions between the U.S. and Russia were decreasing. Hard to imagine Gorbachev's Russia experimenting with demogorgons. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Did I do okay? That was pretty good. That was a good record. I hadn't even practiced it. That was a good record. But I also think that part of the shtick of the Russia stuff, just to interject here, I know we have another 20 emails to somehow get through if we even get through all of them, but... Uh, I think it's the whole uh, cliche, the trope of what Russia was in the 80s in film Mm -hmm. that they're using, using not the actual like what Russia was like. Does that make sense? Right. And yeah, even though technically the quote unquote wall has been torn down and Gorbachev was a much friendlier leader of Russia to the United States. I, you know, I 100% believe there still wasn't that great of a relationship yeah i mean you had people working in those departments that for years had been you know fully into the whole cold war thing i mean hell who's their president now putin he's an ex-kgb guy who's using the things he discovered when the berlin wall fell and that directly influences to what he's doing today so you know those people you know yeah putin would 100 percent experiment on a demogorgon oh he he, he'd do that right now Mm mm-hmm he might be doing that. The Demogorgons probably run their troll farms. We don't know this isn't actually a documentary. <laughs> Nobody can prove that. Yeah, you can't prove it. Uh, he risk goes on. Number 10, will Metallica see as much of a surge in popularity as Kate Bush has? No. I don't think so because Metallica's already very popular. Exactly. And Kate Bush, while I love her and I've always loved her, she wasn't, you know, on the Metallica level of popularity. Yes. And so, so that- for, for a lot of people, this was the first time ever hearing about her. For me. I'm one. Of those. Oh, one, one small bit. I, I keep meaning, meaning to bring this up every episode, but there's never an organic way to do it. So I'm just going to throw it in right now and uh-huh. force it so I don't forget. Do you remember where Dr. Owens lives in the beginning of the season? Of this season? Yeah. yeah he's got the house and the living room and the fireplace, I but think. Do you, do you remember the name of the town? No. The name of the town is Ruth. Running up that hill. Baby. <laughs> That, that's a stretch, right? <laughs> it is, but I've been wanting to make, say that for like five episodes now and it's never come up. Damn, that would have been gold at the time. I know. At the time, it would have been great. Uh, <laughs> Nicholas finishes off. Okay, that's it. I swear. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts when you get a chance. Thanks for the great podcast. Nick from Australia. That was a great email. I just wanted to include all of that because I felt like those were a lot of the thoughts that people were having. And so uh, I've seen some of those questions floating around. Thank you for including them. This next email comes in from Sam. Hi, Chris, Andy, and Steve. Sam from Australia here. More Australians? <laughs> Nose cone. Nose cone. <laughs> Love the show. Uh, binged and caught up in the season four break. Very yeah, you fun. bailed on that quick. Oh, I wasn't going. <laughs> it was going to devolve into some weird shit. Very fun listening to all the predictions, having seen the episodes before listening. Am I the only one who thought Mike was being an idiot by giving L pizza box, cardboard, glasses before getting in a bath? 
crying emoji. I never thought about that. They wouldn't have held up very well in that the water. Is, that's a very good point. Mike's is dumb. He's dumb as shit. Uh, also, since the reference... He's not the brain. He's the heart, all right? <laughs> also, since the reference resurfaced again, you're actually saying sauna pretty close to how the Finns say it, minus the Schwarzenegger accent. Sauna. I'm guessing a fan, <laughs> I'm guessing a fan had something to do with it, uh, with the game it was from. Sauna is a Finnish word. Keep up the great work. Uh, so we got an email or a message at some point that... Uh, the sauna, I think they were from Minnesota or something. There's a huge Finnish presence in that part of America. But someone else said that the, the word was actually supposed to be pronounced sauna. And I don't think I ever brought that up on the air. I was pretty upset to hear that since I had made fun of Steve and Andy so much. The sauna. Because uh, it's sauna colloquially in Cincinnati. So I'll keep, I'll try. now I say sauna like ironically, even though, and you're like, Hey, he's pronouncing it right. But I'm actually being funny when I say it like that, because it's weird <laughs> to me, but it's not the first time I've found out I was pronouncing a word wrong. I do it all the time. So oh, for sure. Cause I read a lot, but sometimes if you've only ever read a word, yeah, you never, never heard someone say it. And then you say it and someone goes, the fuck are you talking about? Like, that's a bad feeling. That's a really, <laughs> it happens to me a lot. So any who's uh, yeah, maybe imagine you- my surprise when I finally figured out how to pronounce Isla Fisher's name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Isla, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's uh, Sam talking about the sauna. We've got another email. This one from Carrie, Steve, take it away. Carrie writes, hi guys, loving your podcast and the conversations. I just wanted to add to the Yuri discussion. It is totally possible that Yuri's action ends actions in the war were both crazy and heroic in the american revolution general anthony wayne earned his nickname mad anthony after leading anthony the, got him after leading the charge against the british fort at stony point new york in 1779 i think the intent was that properly channeled yuri's crazy tendencies can lead to heroism left to his own devices without a larger purpose those tendencies lead to peanut butter smuggling and the kidnapping of americans for profit as I recall, the first scene with Murray Yuri, <laughs> Murray Yuri, and the commander was kept vague, vague enough to make us the viewer think they were referring to his smuggling antics. But the latter reveal is, or the later reveal is that they really meant his wartime antics slash heroism. Or it's possible they meant both. Thanks for the great content, and for the record, Heath bars are delicious. God damn it! Andy's feeling pretty vindicated right now. No, he's not because he doesn't listen to his own show. <laughs> Suck it, Andy. He'll never hear. I think that that's all great stuff. I think the huge argument was really more to the point of was it was it out of nowhere? Was it Deus Ex Yuri that he had even been in the military or a war hero at all? I was of the camp that it was fine. It worked great. Uh, I think Steve was of the camp that it was a little shoehorned and and weird. And then Andy was kind of leaning towards Steve, but in the middle on the matter. Um, But yeah. All great stuff. Our next email. Oh, I do want to expand a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this, Go ahead. This kind of goes into season five predictions territory. Um, you know how like there was the, the the bit of the mind flare in the Russian fort. It escaped and the Russian commanders like it got into them. And we assume that that just means the, the demo dogs. The, yes. The demo dogs. What if that little bit of the mind flare is still out there? Like it didn't all it didn't just consume the dogs or uh, reanimate the dogs. There's still some of it left or when he when Hopper kills them, it, it escapes somehow else. You know, it didn't mm-hmm. just die with them. So maybe that's that's a good way to bring Yuri and Enzo back. If you wanted to bring those characters back is that, you know, there's still this Russian plot of like, hey, there's this mind flare cloud still on the loose and causing problems or it could be if it 
if it comes, if it goes back into Hawkins and makes its way back into the gate and reconnects with the bigger mind flare at large, for some reason, that's a bad idea. I know. I still, I think there's some possible story nuggets to mine with the Russia mind flare. I agree. That could be interesting. I think it would be best if it wasn't the case, if that, if all of Russia was just gone, because that was, uh, I like it. We still need to know how they got all that shit too. Like we do, we do, but it, it might be like the lost sistered because from what I'm reading online and from a lot of people on our show as well, uh, a lot of people that listen to the show, the Russian plotline was far and away the least popular and seemed like a distraction from what everybody was really interested in. Mm-hmm. I think what people are interested in uh, are the ships and the romances and uh, obviously the lore behind the upside down. I'm so glad you said romances after ships. Cause for a second, I'm like, I don't remember. Was there, there were a, ships. Was there a yacht ship of Theseus. I did, don't know. <laughs> did the mayor come back and he had a dope ass ship. That would be cool. Uh, so I don't know, man, I think they might try to bury Russia. Um, but hopefully we do get an explanation as to how the fuck they got all those creatures. But I'm not positive that we will after seeing what happened with the whole Kali storyline so far. Um, but anyway, any whoosel, we got a bunch of emails or at least a couple from a listener by the name of Lee. And we're very happy because look, she says, hi, I've been listening to the podcast for years now in Malaysia and love it years. Whoa. In Malaysia, because our listenership went up by the tens of thousands, dozens of tens of thousands, <laughs> a lot recently. So having somebody write in that's been listening for a long time meant a lot to me. That's awesome. I perked up. Uh, I just finished listening to the latest on Stranger Things season four, episode nine, and wanted to say that Eddie's death makes it clear that the Duffer brothers have kept Murray and Robin alive only so that they can harvest them in season five, for sure. (laughs) Dang. I really think Robin will will survive the show. I'm not, I'm surprised Murray's still alive, to be honest with you. Um, To let Nancy live in an independent life, unlike her mom, the Duffer brothers might kill off both Jonathan and Steve too. If they do keep one alive, it'd be Steve, so Nancy and Steve can be the romance that ties up the series. Plus, Will and Eleven seem pretty much doomed, and Joyce can't be left without both kids. I, I really don't think Will seems doomed. I think Will is safe, in fact, because he's already endured so much. And yeah, and that scenario that was just posited to me, like I'm just like, well, Jonathan's dead because Jonathan would die to protect his brother. Correct. And also, and, and then that would leave have... a guiltless Nancy to date Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also think it's not Doris Day's version of Dream a Little Dream of Me, but Ella Fitzgerald's. Uh, on whether people are born or made, a philosopher has apparently answered this with the reply that an area needs both width and length, and it's impossible for one to be more important than another. I'm not articulating it very well. I think you did great, but it was in Ricky Gervais's Supernatural special. Anyway, you guys have the best Stranger Things podcast, and Netflix's marketing deserves the vilification. Thanks for doing what you do, Lee, uh, from Malaysia. Thank you so much for those thoughts. Uh, any thoughts yeah. on those thoughts, Steve? I. I love those thoughts. I'm thinking those thoughts are great. I'm not famous for my uh, pre-1990 music knowledge, (laughs) but I did say it was Ella Fitzgerald. I got corrected and was told it was Doris Day. By Andy. I'm glad. (laughs) I wasn't going to say that because he's not here. (laughs) Fuck Andy. No. Double D. He was like, it's double D, guys. But I'm glad he said that because we get all the cool triple D puns and all that stuff. So, yeah, even if it was wrong. 
The next email comes in from Lisa. I don't see where she's writing from. Steve, take it away. Lisa writes, hi guys. Thanks so much for getting the volume two pods out so quickly. You are welcome. I followed your format and watched episode eight first, then listened to you all, then watched episode nine. And I think it added a lot to my viewing experience. Wow, Lisa, that's really great. Thank, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, she continues, have the Duffers confirmed that the time jump is going to happen at the beginning of season five? I don't know how that will work given where they left things off at the end of the finale. Maybe they will stabilize the situation in Hawkins and then do the jump, or maybe they will show us what happened uh, in flashbacks. We, we went over that a little bit before. We did. But yeah. Uh, uh, Rough spot to be in, for unknown. sure. Unknown. <laughs> yeah. She continues, I only have one thing to add to the Egos, and I saw this online, so I can't take credit for it, but apparently Dustin's battle gear was a nod to an Ewok. She is referring to Wicket, the Ewok, the main Ewok from Return of the Jedi that helps Princess Leia, proved by Warwick Davis. There's a little photo of him. There is a little uh, photo. It definitely looks like Dustin's outfit, though I have seen. Uh, did we talk about this earlier or off air? We talked about it off air. So I, there's also a photo circulating online of the Patrick Swayze character from Red Red Dawn. Red Dawn. That I think uh, it looks a lot like Dustin's getup as well. It could, of course, be both. Mm-hmm. Um, but because the, there was already, I feel like enough. We we ignored a lot of the Red Dawn egos just simply because that's been a recurring ego throughout a couple of the seasons and i just didn't find it as interesting as some of the newer ones but i like to think of dustin's outfit as some type of rorschach test for the stranger things fan like what do you see in dustin do you mm-hmm. see wicked the ewok or do you see patrick swayze in red dawn mm-hmm. or do you see patrick swayze in some kind of star wars cosplay ooh, how about that one i like to think oh i like a that different one. layer of intelligence Can you imagine if the ewok uh wicked was patrick swayze <laughs> mm-hmm. yep yep Yep, yep. (laughs) This next email comes in from Rachel, and it's written like Argyle, so that's how I'm going to read it, I think. Hell yeah. My dudes. (laughs) (laughs) This is Rachel. Your season four coverage has been so great. About to jump into your final episode coverage, and I'm wincing at how you're going to all going to react to the Max storyline. Super obsessed with your show and have recommended it far and wide in my little corner of England. Oh, thanks. Thanks, <laughs> Argyle. That's how they talk in England. Excited to hear the House of Dragon episode breakdowns when it airs, but also more stuff like The Thing. That was a really fun episode. Basically, if you could do a rewatchables type thing, but better because it's you, then that would be really great. Thanks for the good times, Burchachos. Rachel. Uh, agreed. We do have yeah. a lot of fun. Thank you so much. We love doing the the thing thing. I'm glad you like the thing episode. That was a lot of fun. I'm too. not familiar with rewatchables. Is that some other kind of podcast? Uh, yes, they were. We were often neck and neck with them or last month for the number two spot of TV and film podcasts. Dang. That means they're beating us currently. No, we're like, no, we're like 10th now. I think they're a little further behind us now in the top 20 ish. All TV and film. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we're 10 right now. I'll check out their show. Uh, but more importantly, it's just a pretty good show. Keep listening to ours. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool too. We respect that. Yeah. And I like, I like those suggestions. Uh, I, I, like I said, I love doing the thing. I would love to do more deep dives into specific films like that. I do too. That's, and that's Andy really, thing Andy do. really loves that as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's where we're heading. Um, I like doing the crossing stream stuff, but I've been watching tons of movie for the uh, movies for the TikTok channel. And I really enjoy that. So it's just a matter of us all three agreeing to watch something, you know, and that's why we create those polls for the Patreon feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, you guys keep sending in your suggestions of things that could be on the poll because we, yeah. we need those. Yeah. Send in all the suggestions of films you would like us to nominate. And, and we'll and add them all to a master list. 
and uh, create Patreon polls out of them. But also we do a lot of those episodes for the main feed as well, or just bring them later from the Patreon to the main feed. So it matters for you too, even if you can't afford or don't wish to be a Patreon member. Yeah. Uh, it's still Similar to what we did with war games a couple yes. weeks ago. Yeah. Yep. So that originally was on a poll. It did not win, but we wanted to do it so bad. We put it on the main feed. So any kind of movies you want us to talk about, send them in and we'll add them to the master list. Uh, moving on. The next email comes from Reese, who once again, just a reminder, bought us dinner. He did. He bought us watched wings. the finale. That was incredible. And uh, Steve's going to read his email. So Reese has been writing into us a lot, but he brings up uh, in one of his emails, he brings up something that's really funny. And he writes... Just one quick thing to laugh at. I notice after Nancy sees the future, she describes her family dead, I'm guessing, and calls them all out. Mom, Mike, Holly, but doesn't mention Ted. Fucking Ted. <laughs> and I just want to shout out too, I got another direct message on Twitter about this very thing uh, from a person who has not given me permission to give her name. And I kind of was like, I'm pretty sure uh, they did mention Ted, but then I got like this email and a bunch of other ones. So I want to point out, apparently the first person that, that messaged me that day was correct. Cause she was like, I am flabbergasted, bamboozled that you guys didn't uh, make a big thing out of the fact that she didn't mention Ted, which was hilarious. And I was like, I'm pretty sure she did mention Ted and just kind of brushed it off. But apparently it was something I missed. And that is fucking funny. Yeah. It's like. Cause like Nancy, Why would she? Nancy's so sad. Like just everyone I care about is in so much danger and pain. My mom, Holly, Mike, my whole family. And that other guy. <laughs> What'd I do? What'd I do? Karen, where's our, where's Nancy? Where are our kids? God. And I'm trying to think, I don't think Nancy and Ted have interacted with each other since season one on screen. I think you're correct. Because there's that dinner. Nancy's never home. Yeah, Nancy's never home. Yeah, that's true. But like she interacts with Karen. Yeah. A bunch. I would interact with Karen frequently. Well, gross. Uh, What? what? (laughs) I just meant like I would say hi because she's a nice lady. Uh Uh-huh. I know you. (laughs) What did you mean? I know you. I know you. (laughs) You don't, apparently. (laughs) Apparently. Uh, The next email comes in from Emmy. And Emmy is writing from Tennessee. Uh, I'm somewhat a new listener, but have caught up on all the Stranger Things content nonetheless. So I'll start there. I thoroughly enjoyed this season, but so much more because of you guys. I'm a lover of film myself. Deeply appreciate the art of it. Uh, And Enneagram 4, if you know, you know. And that's like a personality type thing. By the way, I'm fairly sure Chris is too. Listening to you guys, I I fangirls, listening to you guys fangirl so hard, but also taking the time to dive deep into the construction and intention of every episode has been such a fun experience. This show is slowly climbing up there to the very tippy top for me. Wow. The tippy top. Wow. The po- toppermost of the poppermost. <laughs> oh, that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> this last two episodes, these last two episodes hit pretty hard. Uh, and then she has bullet points. My favorite parts were for sure the ones with Lucas and Max. Caleb messed me up. God, I hope she wakes up. Initially, I had a hard time understanding Eddie's sacrifice too, but after thinking on it more, it makes more sense to me. And this is why I included this email. I think this would be great for some of our listeners who have talked about this as well. If he had fled with Dustin, the bats might have followed them through the gate or the distraction would be up and they might have returned to the uh, Creel's house so that his action instead saved both Dustin and Hawkins potentially and kept up the distraction, uh, buying more time for the rest of the crew. I uh, have to give Gatton major, major props because that scene wrecked me. It felt so real. 
I, I want to say that because I've seen on, online a lot of conversations. The same feeling that I had is like, was Eddie's sacrifice even necessary? Because I had those questions when we did the first recap. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have said, oh, yeah, it's bullshit because they didn't even do anything. And I tend to lean more toward what Steve and Andy said, which I think was what mostly Steve. I think you were saying this, that the bats yeah. would have went and killed Steve, Robin and Nancy. Uh, immediately if Eddie hadn't done that. And that's what I just choose to believe. I think that was the Duffer's intent. Um, and that makes me feel a little bit better about Eddie's passing because it wasn't all for naught, right? Yeah. Um, so, and then Emmy has a bunch of other great points. Um, I'm going to try to get to some other different emails, but I love that you're a new listener. I love that um, so many things have brought you joy and that we're going to the tippy top. She does go on to say that she has listened to some other non-Stranger Things stuff and that she's going to quote, Definitely sticking around for the post Stranger Things content. My husband and I try to get to the movies as often as we can and always make it a point to see as many of the Oscar nominated movies as possible. And that she's, we, she listened to a lot of our top 10 of 2021, of 2022, that kind of stuff. Uh, Episodes. She she thinks those are great. Uh, so maybe other people should check those out because Emmy really enjoyed them from Tennessee. And we all know Emmy. She's, she's got great taste. She's good people. She listens to this show. Any hoozle. Our next email comes in from Suzanne. I don't see where she's writing from. And Steve's going to read that. Suzanne writes, hey guys, thanks for reading my email on the podcast during the first volume. That was a total blast. I have some thoughts slash observations from volume two to share. First, you all made the connection in episode eight between the cloned demagogues and the clones of Ripley in Alien Resurrection. Remember, that Winona Ryder also starred in Alien Resurrections as an artificial life form. I did not remember that. I did remember that. It was one of those things where, like, I didn't say it on the pod, but, like, after we stopped recording, I was like, ah, fuck, I didn't say that. That's smart. So I'm so glad, Suzanne, that you reached out and you're, keep, you're keeping us honest uh, because uh, she was one of the, you know, one of my more favorite parts of that movie is Winona Ryder. Yeah. Uh, she continues, another cool fact I learned is that the character who played Eddie actually played the guitar part of Master of Puppets himself. He plays guitar in real life and practice and practice to do this scene. Yeah. We just love that dude. Joseph yeah. Quinn's amazing. Gone too soon. That's not an easy thing to play. And the reason it got leaked early, apart from it being added to Spotify, uh, but everybody knew this was going to be Master Puppets. I saw, I've seen, I've sent seen TikTok videos I didn't watch before the episode aired of people breaking down his finger positioning on the fretboard oh, and really? realizing that it could only be one of two songs because it's an F sharp chord or whatever. And so it's like, that's either uh, Master of Puppets or what was the other, the final countdown. <laughs> By, was it was that band Europe? Europe, yeah. And uh, oh my god, I, that would have been that'd be great if someone edits in uh, well, Final Countdown. I love that you got to watch these TikTok videos; they're hilarious because it's a guy like fucking Eddie Munson who's got uh, a Dio jacket with a motorhead patch. He's okay. not going to be listening to fucking Europe. There is no way in hell. That's not what he's playing. It's got to be something like uh, Megadeth or Metallica or Iron Maiden. And they were 100% correct in their assessment based on his costume and his uh, positioning on the fretboard. And I just mm-hmm. thought that was cool. I mean, if someone wants to make that edit, I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most metal concert ever uh, Suzanne continues with some wonderings uh, number one I wonder if the fact that Elle had to battle Vecna by entering Max's mind as opposed to some other straightforward way limited her abilities in some way I noticed Elle spinning the coke bottle when she was trying to locate Max the second time this is what they did when they were spying quote unquote on the boys I wonder if this is a hint that Max will be spying on Vecna that's what Steve said. 
I have a feeling she will have access to his mind because of her dying and coming back to life. In the episode where they played D&D and Erica beat Vecna, she came in stating that she was 11 years old. Yes, they thought they had beaten Vecna and had to go up against him for the second time. And Erica, the 11-year-old, wins. I think this is foreshadows 11 beating Vecna in season five. I like that little... I like that. Bit. I think on the one hand, it's like, obviously you would think 11 is the one that fights Vecna and, pro- and probably wins or the show is really sure. depressing. But at the same time, that's fucking brilliant too. Cause they always do those D and D foreshadowing things. Yeah, I've like, I like that little bit of foreshadowing. Like that's a, mm-hmm. that's a really cool pool. I love that. Uh, perhaps the creatures in the upside down weren't all bad until Vecna showed up and took over their minds. Perhaps 11 slash max slash will, the ones who have the most connection to Vecna can mess with that order some. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a, I, I agree. I agree with that. I also wonder if Dr. Owens will, will help Eleven somehow, perhaps help her finish preparing for her show now with Vecna. We still, we got a Dr. Owens, Nina. Ooh, we're going to get a Dr. O, Nina. I built my own Nina. I based it. It <clears throat> looks like the diner. Hey kid, I call it, this is this, I call this the diner. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's not as great as Marty B's, but you know, it'll, it'll do the job. It'll do the trick. Come on mm-hmm. and get in there, kiddo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crack a brewski. I call it the number one special. <laughs> uh, she continues. Also, I read the Wikipedia synopsis of the talisman. There's a parallel world in the book and the characters have twin, have a twin. Sorry. Lots and of twins <laughs> and twins. <laughs> Lots of other similarities to Stranger Things. Sorry I spoke Eddie's death into the universe. I love this character. And his guitar solo was epic. I'll be listening to you guys in the in-between. Thank you so much for your loyalty. We very much appreciate it. Uh, Our next email comes from, I think it, well, let's just say Gab. Comes in from Gab. Hi, guys. First off, thanks so much for the podcast. I drove... Excuse me, I drive 30 minutes to work and it has gotten me through those long drives. Thanks for making me laugh all the time. You're welcome. (laughs) All right, straight to it. So did you guys catch the song that was playing when Steve was describing his dreams for his future to Nancy in the bus? Well, I didn't either, but my boyfriend did. And it does leave me with a season five prediction as well. So the song is Fire and Rain by James Taylor. The song is about a guy who lost someone whom he loved. I don't know if it means Nancy will die, but there has just been so many signs that Nancy might die. Also, Heath bars are superior. God damn it. Love Gab. You know what I'm learning from this season of uh, Stranger Things coverage? We need to pick a snack each season and just talk shit about it. Because that encourages the fans of that snack to come out and write to us. That, Uh That was the key to engagement we've been looking for all this time, Chris. We just truly... We're wanting to shit on Heath bars and we thought everyone would agree, but this was a, a shocking surprise. This was the most <laughs> shocking development other than VH1 in season four was the Heath bar love. Oh, um, I didn't catch that song. I wouldn't even recognize that song because I'm was, an idiot. It was one of my egos. The James Taylor song. Yeah. I, every time I read the fire and rain title, I just hear the Adele song. <laughs> Set, Set fire, fire to the, to rain. the rain. Yeah, I doubt Watch that's it the burn as I touch your face. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good song. I wish that was playing. Uh, but yeah, I, what do you think about this, Steve? Another little deep cut. Yeah, I, I think that's a wonderful deep cut. I mean, that's a. I mean, clearly I, they choose these songs for a reason. Well, sort of. I think you have to be careful because a lot of people online have pointed out, uh, and I haven't checked, but I'm sure so many people wouldn't have said it unless it was true that the same song is playing when Eddie dies, or at least part portion of the score, as when Hopper died, and when Will was thought to be dead in season one. It's the Moby song. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. 
And so they think that's an indication that Eddie's not actually dead. But I think Eddie's 100% dead. Well, so yes and no. So they play that song a couple times. The Moby song that plays isn't played during those characters' deaths. So they're wrong on that. The song that plays when Hopper dies and uh, when they believe Will is dead is the Peter Gabriel Heroes song. Uh-huh. The Moby song plays in season one when they save Will. Um, I don't know when it plays anywhere else other than in this episode or in this season. Because uh, it's a callback to when Will is saved. Well, it's, call, it's a callback to season one. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, they're a little bit wrong on that in terms of like what songs playing when Hopper and Will is say are, are quote unquote killed uh-huh. or are believed to be dead. Yes. I just think you need to be careful. Sometimes it's just a reference to itself more than like a theme or any kind of thing. But I would like to think that it means something and that's a good find. Cause remember when season three was wrapping up, it I also was could be playing that- just because in that moment, Steve feels like he has lost Nancy because she's with Jonathan. Yeah. That, that yeah. You know? There's a lot of ways you can interpret the loss of a relationship. Right. Right. But yeah, I remember at the end of season three, I was the one that pointed out the Peter Gabriel hero song. You was did. Playing that was actually pop. a call that Steve made. Damn it. And I called my shot and your boy was right. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been right about a damn thing since. No, you've been right about a couple of things. Don't, <laughs> don't do that to yourself. So guys, I just checked the timestamp on where we're at in this episode. It's dragging on really long. And as much as we'd love to keep going, I think we're going to wrap it up here. We've got a couple of dozen more emails. So I think what we're going to do is read those a second time, do a mailbag part two, if you guys are interested in that sort of thing. This time, hopefully with Andy, because we got Allison, Rachel, Angela, Ben, Cody, a bunch of people coming down the pipeline. I definitely want to read their emails. So we're going to do another mailbag section. But before we leave you, of course, the reason you're all really here, we got to find out what kind of crazy ass mad lib for stranger things that we created and remember guys this mad lib was put together by both myself and chris and steve got to play this is this is breaking new ground mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i had a third party tell me what type of words we needed uh we chose these words and i just finished putting them into the actual mad libs we're doing which is titled dustin and dart mm-hmm. and it plays out like a script similar to how that one a couple weeks ago was yeah All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Dustin, you guys, meet Steve. Isn't he tense? He is. Oh, this is real. This is real. (laughs) Lucas, and you found him in the garbage Tupperware? Dustin, yep. Want to hold him? Mike, hootie who? What is he? (laughs) Dustin, first, I thought he was some type of dog. That's another word for tadpole. But Steve is an aquatic. Lucas, so aren't there rugged polywogs who don't need sake? <laughs> I feel like that's the beginning of a like a dope ass haiku. <laughs> rugged sure. polywogs who don't need sake. Uh, Dustin, thirteen to be exact. Indurana flatulence from Romania and <laughs> Adenomera Matthew Modine from South America. Whoa! So how could one end up in Hawkins? Will, look, he's crushing away from the light. Dustin, I got him. So he isn't a tadpole or a wiener dog, which means I've discovered a new species. Mike, oh, that's the bell. We better swipe back to class. Let's show Mr. Clark. Dustin, no way. For now, this is our little Tamagotchi. Oh, wow. Doesn't that work? Yeah. That works. It's our little Tamagotchi we get to raise until it dies of old age. Oh, and then I'll throw it away because I'm sick. <laughs> this, is, this game is bullshit. Bullshit. You, you nancied it. <laughs> that reminded me of one last thing. 
I really, 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 really hope with all of my little tiny heart that Mr. Clark somehow comes back in season five. I missed his presence greatly. Dude, he can get it. And Mr. Clark can get it. I was really upset that he didn't get it in season four. Yeah. Then nobody in season four knows how much we love Mr. Clark. And they don't get the, he can get it jokes. (laughs) Yeah. Just know that he can. I mean, that's the whole joke. He can get it. That's something Steve would say from time to time. Uh, Anytime he showed up on screen. (laughs) He's a hero of mine. As a fellow nerd and you watch Dr. Clark consistently. Mr. Clark. I don't think he got his PhD. He's the doctor of love, baby. (laughs) Watching him consistently get it on screen Mm -hmm. and still be a nice cool dude who has time to help his students out in the middle of Indiana. Boy, howdy. I love that man. Boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. Hootie hoo. Hootie hoo. That's all the time we have for right now. My name is Chris. I'm Henry. And I'm Steve. And this was Streaming Things. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy streaming. Right, it is time to thank the patrons. It's just me, Chris had to leave, but I wanted to make sure that the people who keep the lights on over here at Streaming Things get their just desserts. And that is us giving thanks to them. So without further ado, let's start this uh, train rolling. Thank you so much, A. Wells, Double A, Aaron A, Single A, Aaron A, Aaron B, Aaron K, Aaron L. We just have a whole block of Aaron's, my goodness. Thank you so much to Adam C and Adam R. Thank you, Amanda, Amelia, Andrew, Andy, Angela, Annie, Ariana and Ashley, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Brenda. You're the only one of the bees. Oh my goodness, Queen Bee Brenda. Here we go. We're moving on to the C names. We got Cake. Thank you, Cake. Carlo. Thank you, Carmelita, a true OG. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Katarina. Thank you, Cody. And thank you, Cryptoholic, my dude. You need to see an AA council meeting for uh, that that uh, addiction you have to crypto. Uh, and leading up just the D's, we got Dan- Danielle. Thank you so much, Danielle. Moving on to the E names, we got E Lopez, Emily, Enza, and Erica. Thank you all so much. Uh, we got some real G's here. We got a couple of G's. We got Gavin. We got Glenn. Thank you both. Thank you, Hannah, the solitary soldier for representing the H names. Thank you, Jacqueline, Jacob, Jade, Jared, Jeanette, AJ, Jessica, Jimmy, Joel A, Joel D, John M, John R, and Jordan. That's a lot of J names. Thank you guys so much. You know who else had a J name? Jesus. So you're in good company. Uh, Moving on, we got to thank the people who have names that begin with the letter K. We have Katharina, Katie, Kayla, Kelsey, Carrie, Kevin, Kiki, Kimberly and Kyle. Thank you guys so much for representing the K's. Uh, moving on to the L names, we have Lady Pris, Lee, and Lisa. What a trio we got there. Uh, the M's representing those, we have Marcus, Michelle, Mike, Mindy, and Monique. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Nick, you were the solitary in, my friend. Uh, so thank you so much, Nick. Orion, the only O we have, but hey, man. That's a great name, Orion. I love that. Uh, representing the P's, we got Paula and Phil. A uh, couple of great people there. 
Uh, moving on to the R's, we have Reese, Robin, and the Reed family. The whole family came in and, and helped out streaming things. Thank you guys so much. Moving on to the S's, a personal favorite of mine for obvious reasons. I want to thank Sandra, Sarah, Shay, Stephanie, and Stephen V. What a guy. He's got, he's left us a couple emails. We're going to get to those next episode, Stephen, if you're still listening. Uh, and lastly, last but not least, we have the T names. We have Tara. Thomas J, Thomas V, and Tyler. Thank you guys so much again for supporting us uh, on Patreon, and uh, hope you enjoy. Have a good one.